this is my this is my last podcast recording before like tying the knot and i just like feels it's it's funny it's an odd transition but i just need to like put it out there just needed to acknowledge it i just needed to acknowledge it yeah I've, ha- I've been having a lot of like weird like oh last this before like last finance meeting before you're a married lady and i'm like okay but like can we just go through the finance meeting now because <laughs> it's not it's not you know the normal like big thing i i feel like with our recording schedule the last what has it been like four or five episodes that like we've compressed into this you know, recording an episode every couple of days yeah um I feel like you were just trying to get as many out as possible before the wedding. <laughs> Who knows what married life will do to me? Yeah, we have to. Can we finish season one? Can we just finish season one before <laughs> I'm married? Can crack it out before I turn it? Who knows? I'll turn into like a stepward wife and be like, but darling, I don't know if I have time to record my podcast anymore. What will Colton think of me? Uh, he'll think we're not keeping to the schedule. <laughs> and you'll get many angry messages on Discord. I don't know if I have time for recreational activities anymore. I have to smoke this trout for the next 12 hours. <laughs> I don't know. That might be... that. I don't, I don't know. How long do you smoke a trout for? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't eat trout. I don't even know why that came up in my you head. you smoke trout? I, I don't know. <laughs> Yes, you can smoke. Can't you smoke like any fish? I don't know. I don't Either know. Fish, you shouldn't. I'm not a fishy person. Neither am I. But maybe, maybe, maybe married Kelly is. <laughs> uh, can we record can the show now? <laughs> yes, let's record the show. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. Long ago. The four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Hello, and welcome to The Pie Show. With your hosts, I'm Colton. And I'm Kelly. And this week, we are talking about Book 1, Chapter 16, The Deserter. I'd love to be a deserter. I'm not really a deserter. I'm more an entree Appetizer? That's what I am. Honey, you're an aperitif. <laughs> In this episode, Aang and the others slip into a Fire Nation town so he can observe firebending firsthand. But their plans go quickly wrong, and they must seek refuge. That sounds about right. I mean, it, it, right. it kind of like I always. It's so interesting how these episodes seem to focus on the setup so much. I really <laughs> like that because it's that's not how I would describe this episode. Yeah, but no. it's the premise. It is technically the premise. I just I really like the the fact that whoever is writing these understands the difference between synopsis and premise. Because that's a thing that I struggle with in my mm. own descriptions of things. Same, same. If anybody's listened to episode one of this podcast, they know I struggle with that. <laughs> 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 it should never be revisited. 
<laughs> don't don't take that as a sign to go back and listen to it. Maybe we just, can do that for like a special, like at the end of the season, we'll just go through and we'll try to sum up every episode that we just watched that season. You know what? Yeah, maybe we'll do that. Maybe that'll be a special episode that we do. And all of our listeners will immediately learn why. We, why we rigidly why we structure the, the episode and we take the Netflix descriptions. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm going to be totally honest. I forgot this whole episode. I forgot it. When I when I went to do the rewatch, I was like, what happens again? I don't remember. I know Zhang Zhang, the character that we meet. And I know the kind of, like, what happens, the little sum up, but I don't recall the chain of events from this episode at all. That's interesting. So I didn't realize that this episode, when I, when I looked at the title before I started playing it, was the Zhang Zhang episode. But the second it started playing, I was like, oh, yeah, that, there's this one. <laughs> I like this episode. Maybe because you watched it more recently. I I don't I don't recall the last time I watched this episode. Maybe I also really like Zhang Zhang. Okay, okay. But I'm gonna guess that this episode is not in your rewatch repertoire. Nope, not in my Kelly's indefinitive <laughs> list of rewatch episodes, rewatch essentials. I I feel like whenever you talk about the Kelly's completely non definitive list of rewatch essentials. You're always talking about episodes that are not in it as opposed to episodes that are. And it makes me wonder just how many episodes are in this non-definitive list. Oh, it's a good number, actually. Just not a lot of book one? Um, I think I've I think I cherry pick a lot of book one. Um, it's heavy on the end of book one. Mm. I think I very much need to add Blue Spirit into it. I'll write it up someday. I'll you know what? How about I'll have my list for book one by the end of this uh, season. Or maybe I'll have it next episode. Probably next episode. Probably next episode, because then we get to the end very quickly. Yeah, I'd rather not lay, lay all that out on the finales, but um, I do have a like definitive like go-to that I like go and click, and, and I'm like, oh, yep, that one, that one, that one, skip these three, that one, that one, that I, like, because you you get into a rhythm sometimes once you're looking for once you have that feel good show. I can't be alone on that. Like, no, yeah, I get that. When I was first getting into Star Trek, I started with the Next Generation, mm-hmm. and I started with the Star Trek: The Next Generation Viewers Choice Marathon on, I believe it was Sci Fi, like way back before they changed the spelling of the channel name. And those episodes, like the episodes that were picked for that, to this day are like the Star Trek The Next Generation episodes that I cherry pick in my rewatch. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I totally understand. Honestly, my, mine isn't based off of any lists for the most part either. It's just something that I've gone to of like, here are, here are some of my favorites. Here are what I feel is important to the story that I am that I am traveling along. Yeah, well, it's your list, and it's, like, the list of things that I think that's really interesting, because that's got to give some insight into how you view the journey that these characters are on. 
Yeah. That's what you're like. You're picking out. These are the important beats in your interpretation of the story. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what my list would be. I think our list would be different because this would definitely oh, be definitely. on mine. This is not on mine. Well, that's interesting. We'll have to. We'll we'll I'll come both back make next lists. Episode. That can be yeah. our homework. We'll make our we'll make our lists for for book one and and we'll and compare, compare notes. And contrast. Yeah. yeah. Kelly, I'm confused. Yes. I'm very confused. Yes. Where is this episode taking place? Are we still in the Earth Kingdom? So it's supposedly a Fire Nation town, but it's... Is it a colony town? I'm one, I'm trying to figure out if it's a... Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if it's a colony town. Hold on, let me see if I can pull up my old map that I posted during one of the show notes. So they're in a Fire Nation colony. Is what it's saying according to an Ang's journey map that we posted earlier. Okay, because I was just very confused. Because yeah, everything is like tinted yellow, so that tells me we're in Fire Nation territory. Yeah, there's yeah. that whole city is just so big. Yeah, it's a Fire Nation colony, and it's on the water. It's kind of in a inlet that's shaped into a Y. Um, so I guess that kind of makes sense as to the location of why the Fire Nation would be able to colonize there because it's on the coast. But yeah. So we're that in that you? we're in that land in the Earth Kingdom that the Fire Nation has kind of annexed. Yes. Yes. Up up by the Abbey, it's um up and to the right of the Fire Nation. Before. Okay. That that helps. Yeah. It was just because, and I'll I'll post the map again here because yeah, trying to figure out where they are because they said they you know it's a Fire Nation town. Yeah, I I feel like this show would benefit in the in the intro sequence when they show the map if there mm. were just like Game of Thrones style like a circle on the map where we are this week. <laughs> And it's only on for a handful of frames, but it's there. <laughs> With Zuko being like, wow, he's so great at hiding. And <laughs> he's, and uh, they're turning the map upside down. Where are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I that feel is... like watching the show. Like, where are we? I don't know. <laughs> but it shows, you know, Appa is getting them some pretty big distance. Yeah. They're really like, racking up the miles. Yeah, they're they're very far north. Um, and almost at the northern water te- water temple water tribe. Do we have? This is I'm I'm asking you as a representative of like the larger fandom. Do yeah. we have size calculations on how big the world is? I know that's like super deep dive nerdy. That's a super deep dive nerdy, but I can do more research for you. I would be curious to know, like you know, comparing to our Earth, like how big mm-hmm. is their Earth? How big is their world compared to ours? I could try and do a deep dive on that. And if our listeners have anything they want to send me about that, let me know. But um, I'll do a deep dive and I'll I'll let you know. I'm but, inclined to say it's smaller by a fair bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not as many continents. Um, the Fire Nation is a small is a smaller uh, set of islands the earth kingdom is really more interconnected 
whereas they have the uh, southern and northern poles on their own. But Earth, or the Earth Kingdom takes up most of the world. Yeah, I also think it's really interesting how like they have the North Pole, they have the South Pole. So when we look at the map, like we're looking at the top and the bottom of the map. Mm-hmm. But are we looking at the full width of the map? See, that's exactly where my men went too. Because they never really seem to travel west from deep in the Fire Nation to get back into the Earth Kingdom. Yeah. Do they li- is this like a Are you trying to planet? be a flat earther? No, I'm not. I'm trying <laughs> it we it can't be because there are poles. Yes, I know. I know. I'm just trying to get a, a handle on the scale. I agree. I I will have to do some deep dive. I will do a deep dive for you, Colton. I'm so I'm actually so happy that you asked me to do a deep dive instead of me just doing a deep dive and going, hey, Colton, look what I got. Beyond me giving permission for a deep dive, I'm asking for it. Please indulge yes. this hyperfixation because I need to know, is this okay. are, are we looking at a European drawn map before the new world, mm-hmm. like the larger new world discovery? And so there are continents here that we don't see. Are we looking at an accurate, you know? mercator projection of <laughs> screw the mercator projection obligatory of of this world I, I i don't know okay i want to all right i will look into it for you how big is the avatar world and yeah i guess as a side note what kind of projection is that map using yes <laughs> um I am noticing, like, Fire Nation, it, the Fire Nation capital is right along the equator. Or it looks like it would be, which is interesting to me. It fits. And they have a lot of volcanoes along there. I'll look more into the geography of the world, I promise. It's just, it's just, I'm, just I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I, I got lost in <laughs> my own thoughts, because if it's Mercator projection, then the Earth Kingdom isn't really as big. And the Fire Nation definitely is is bigger than it seems on the map. Mm-hmm. Which is a thought. Well, because Mercator shrinks the middle. Yeah. But that means that the water, the northern and southern water tribe territories are smaller than they would appear. I'm looking up even more maps because now I'm also curious of just like, you know, the world evolves and then there's like, there's like Republic City and everything. And where does that go? And oh, I have a really interesting video that shows. Um, it is a time lapse political map of the Avatar universe. Yes, I'll send. Like I'll that. send you that video. Yeah. Um, and then I'll put it in the show notes if this section doesn't get cut. But I think this is gonna this is gonna be a heavily cut trimmed section. Definitely. Okay, we need to both. We both of us need to sideline this rabbit hole, or we're not gonna finish the recording. <laughs> I love that we see not just Aang, but we see the blue spirit yeah. on the wanted signs. Who's that guy that the want like the last wanted poster shot zooms in on slowly? Zhang Zhang. It doesn't look like Zhang Zhang. It looks like Pai Mei. He's got the scar. Mm, maybe because it was a little he, stylized and he looks rougher. It's a little in stylized. He's got his hair back and yeah. um, he looks younger there. He doesn't have gray hair, I don't think. Mm. No, it's was white hair. White hair was it? Yeah, it was white hair. Because I, my thought was, is is that a Kill Bill reference? Because <laughs> it looked like Pai Mei. Yeah. No. No. It had. Uh, 
it had the same scar as Zhang Zhang. It's it's to imply like doom doom doom. This is the guy we're gonna meet. Mm. So when we get to this uh, Fire Nation town, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. A lot happening. There's a puppet show, and there's this huge crowd. And when they're like, "Oh, what's going on?" Sokka makes a joke. I say joke in like a strange way because he goes, "Knowing the Fire Nation, it's probably an execution." And I just, as much as it's a dark joke, I feel like there's something deeper there. Like, this is how he views the fire. The Fire Nation is so evil that, yes, all the townspeople will be super excited and cheering for a public execution. Yeah, it's dark. It's real dark. And I think it's really interesting on a rewatch perspective to see him go from, he did save people who were he did save fire nation soldiers from being drowned by jet then but he still has this like feeling that of like you know even these every supposed everyday people would cheer for an execution and then uh later down the line when they are actually in fire nation territory and constantly being around people of the fire nation getting to know them as people and see them as people and i don't think he makes these comments as much um i think he you know thinks due to their the propaganda against the avatar that you know maybe they'd be cheering on the execution of the avatar but i don't think he'd say oh yeah they're just doing public executions and having a grand old time yeah i think i i really like that perspective that you know later on we we do see that not everyone in the Fire Nation is as brutal as some of our villains and some of our antagonists, um, villainous or otherwise. But Sokka doesn't see that yet. We don't really know whether or not Katara sees that yet. But even though they have their worldview and their assumptions of the members of the Fire Nation, I don't think this episode characterizes every member of the Fire Nation as evil. Yes, that's what I was going to say. I think this episode is the first one where we start to see just everyday Fire Nation people. Yeah. We see people selling food at a, at, at, a, uh, at a stand. We see people putting on a puppet show for children. There are children here. There is laughter. There is play. There are artists, Fire Nation artists. I mean, that's what I'm calling the magician is what, you know, whoever. Stagecraft is an art. Yeah, he's, um, we see fire can be art, fire can be other things, um, instead of just the death and destruction they've known. And I want to bring up a point, I know it happens a little later in the episode, but the point where Zhao and his soldiers talk to the soldiers that are stationed in the town, and the soldiers behind Zhao have their face, have their, like, bony white face masks on with their helmets. And the ones who are from the town do not have those face masks on. They, they have helmets, but their faces are visible. They um, talk about this celebration and they're like, oh, it was a pretty good day. I mean, besides the Avatar showing up, it was a pretty good day. And there's humanity behind them. And just in that stark contrast of seeing, you know, two different commanders on each side and and having two men flanking them on either side one with the you know skeleton white mass and the other with just two 
you know, nor- normal human faces who are trying to relate and trying to get through their day. Yeah. On, on, I, I took that note as well. You know, on one side, you have these, these soldiers who are members of a community. And on the other, it's this faceless, sterile army whose actions are divorced and separated from their own humanity. Mm-hmm. And I think those soldiers that stand behind the Admiral would react differently to the Avatar showing up at the festival than the members who were, who were actually there. I mean, they tried to chase him down, but they didn't, you know, blow up the town in the process. They threw, they, some fireworks went off, but that wasn't even their fault. It wasn't like they were shooting flames at the Avatar as they were chasing him. They were respectful of the people in the town, and they didn't want any townspeople to get hurt. Yeah, they have to live there. They have to live there. They they might have families there. Like when we're sh- when we're seeing puppet shows for children, there is a lot more involved. I would I would submit that had the soldiers with faces captured Ang in this episode, he maybe would have been imprisoned. They would have notified some higher up. Had Zhao's forces captured him? Aside, you know, barring barring Zhao's plan that he has already expressed to us. You know, maybe not capturing Aang, maybe capturing, you know, Katara or Sokka. If, if the soldiers of the town captured Katara or Sokka, there would likely be imprisonment, there would likely be a level of telling someone else in the army who might care to know. If Zhao captured them, he's amassing his forces and executing them. Yeah, that's danger. Danger, red alert. Zhao's forces are Sokka's assumption of the entire Fire Nation. Yes. Yes. They they definitely walk into that stereotype. And and yeah, the the town has it has its puppet show propaganda for the kids with <laughs> Ozai <laughs> spitting fire at, at presumably the Earth King. <laughs> but it show it shows that there's there's something else going on behind the scenes. It is not just these stormtroopers out to war. That there are people on the home front. I'm trying really hard to not just get lost in the fact that you made a Star Wars comparison. <laughs> I did, I did. But there are people. There there are people attached to the soldiers who are at war on, uh, uh, like on the Fire Nation side. Yeah, they're they're humans fighting for a cause. They're not all of them. And it's being built. There's a cause that's being built. And and you see that with the puppet show. So it's and I feel like this is where we're first getting our glimpse into it and I don't think we see it for quite some time. I agree. And and really what underlines it for me is we spend all this time in this Fire Nation town and none of the music that we hear is what we have come to have associated with the Fire Nation. Mm, there's yeah. none of that. There's none of that chase music, none of that fight music, or any of it. Right up until a random voice in the crowd says, "That kid's the Avatar," and suddenly, Aang and the group feel like they're in danger, and that's when the music kicks in. Yeah, it's the it's the sounds and and sounds and music of the of of if they entered any other normal town of which they would have to disguise this one they have to disguise a bit more, but yeah, it's really that's a really cool point. Yeah, we don't hear the menacing until there's actually a danger sounded. Yeah, and even then, when we hear it, it's not the oppressive, you know, 
evil, brassy tones that we normally get for these sequences. It's more just the chase aspect. It's it's that driving, you know, accented eighth note rhythm. It is. It's it's not the the big ba ba. Like none of that's there. It's it's the quick the quick strings and and the driving backbone to almost add excitement and and emphasize a sense of danger but we never cross that threshold all the way into oppressive run for your life yeah ooh that's a good catch good catch golden thanks So we have two new characters in this episode. Che the Forgettable. (laughs) (laughs) Che the Forgettable. I'm sorry, but even like the whole like area of deserters and like non-Fire Nation people totes forgot to tell Che that they were on the run. Like Che the Forgettable. I think that fits. That definitely is very fitting. Yeah. And then Zhang Zhang, the deserter. He is the first person to ever leave the Fire the Fire Nation army and live, and is considered enlightened. Well, Che considers him enlightened. Che considers him enlightened. Che maybe has a chip on his shoulder about how everyone else considers Zhang Zhang. Because <laughs> Che is the second and the forgettable. He's the second person to leave the Fire Nation army and live. No one remembers the second. No one remembers the second. But he's I mean, okay I didn't. with that. <laughs> he's okay with that. Hey, if less people are looking for him because no one remembers him, I think that's pretty good for him. Yeah. I feel like you have a lot of Zhang Zhang feelings. I have I a lot of them. Zhang Zhang feelings, but I'm still kind of forming them. I don't know. I have a lot of like, hey, this is a thing. I don't have anything to say about it, but let's talk about it. Okay. So maybe you can help me with some of this. Yeah. I I was really drawn into a lot of the way that Che was talking about Zhang Zhang. Mm-hmm. One of the things that he says very early on is he's more than a man. And that the way he phrased that just jumped out at me because it had this mythic quality to it. This this legendary classically heroic ass like not hero yeah. like good guy hero like greek it hero feels like the dread pirate roberts that's what it feels like to me i was thinking more like hercules or mm, yeah odysseus someone you know that's where my brain went but i feel like we don't really get a lot of that sort of dialogue and conversation in this world and so it really just jumped out at me yeah he's really built up i mean i I think it's really interesting. For me, I feel he's so built up by Che, but to me, he doesn't match that. When we meet him, I don't feel it matches. I feel Che is like the ultimate hype man. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's more than a man. He's great. And Zhang Zhang's like, look, I did not want to put up with that Fire Nation army like crap. I did not want to put up with that. And I, I am, he feels an intense amount of shame about his own bending ability. That's what I got. Yeah, and I think I think to Aang, that does make Zhang Zhang more than a man. Because from Aang's perspective, he's not just a man. He's, he's hoped that someone can get out of the Fire Nation. I think to Aang, 
he is the only possible fire nation um firebender master he can learn from he's like this is the one there is only one person you know it's got to be someone who's who's who knows how to fight it's got to be someone who has a mastery over it and this is the closest i am going to get to the fire nation i'm not going there until i have to deal with the with the fire lord himself so if I can pick one up along the way and not have to deal with going near the Fire Nation, amazing. Honestly, I feel it's an easy way out for Aang. And that's why he pushes it so hard. And I feel like he treats it throughout this episode as an easy way out. So I just had a thought here, and I want to ask you about it. Yes. Do you think, in on any level, I'm, I think the answer is clearly no on the surface, but do you think on any level that Aang looks at Zhang Zhang as a level of hope, possibility, whatever, that Zuko might be someone who could be a friend to him. No. No. I don't think he's putting two and two together with that. No. Not on any level. No. I think Zuko made his answer. I think Aang picked up that answer, and that's why he fought him so aggressively in a way that Aang does not fight aggressively. Um... I think he's like, I found someone with I who who heard that question themselves at some point and said yes, that I can be friends with people outside the Fire Nation. I found the opposite of Zuko. Do you think we're supposed to read it that way as the viewer? Just a handful of episodes after seeing Zuko to a degree turn against an aspect of the Fire Nation. I don't necessarily think so because, or at least I know I didn't see it that way because it's made out by Che, the hype man, the forgettable, that it is so rare. Like, that he's more than a man. He's enlightened. He's one of the very, like, one of maybe three people, including myself, in this entire world. He's a mad genius. He's a mad genius. Like, you know, all those things he says no that that is i think it even i think it might even solidify to ang that zuko's not going to change because so very few do and live to talk about it mm. i think i can agree that to ang it solidifies that zuko's not going to change but he's not a viable option i i think it's supposed to be for the viewer a, a seed of doubt that maybe Zuko can change just because here is someone who does not, like here is someone for whom the fire nation is not all encompassing. Here is someone who has gotten out. I think for me, I would feel a little differently if I knew how long Zhang Zhang had been away from the fire nation army. At what Mm. point, what point did he leave? We never find that out. Do we? What was the, what was the turning point? Yeah. We, and, and even if you mention the wanted poster, he's still got white hair. Like it, it could have been recent. I mean, I, I know from my memory, I don't remember. Um, if I were to look up his character, let me see if there's something there. But of like the deep war, ten years, ten years before he met Avatar Aang, Zhang Zhang deserted the Fire Nation Navy and vowed never to teach firebending again. So 10 years before, but I don't know what happened. 
10 years before is before the attack on Ba Sing Se, right? Yeah, but the attack on Ba Sing Se is also a ground attack. It wasn't a Navy. He was a part of the Navy. Right. No, I'm just trying to keep the timeline straight in my head. Yeah, I think so. So Zhang Zhang leaves, and then the Fire Nation lays siege to Ba Sing Se for, what, two years? I believe so. I'd have to look up the bigger... You know me. I, like, I love that kind of deep dive stuff. Right. But um, I just... Okay, so he's been he's been 10 years. And still, he's an old man. That seems fairly recently for his long life. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just... <laughs> I'm also trying to keep track of when he's leaving what is Iroh up to. Mm, mm. But And he mostly left because... Not necessarily because what... It was more ha- how he was teaching people and those people were going off to cause destruction less of him actually causing the destruction, even though that's he saw it as him causing destruction through his students. I'm surprised you keep referring to Zhang Zhang as enlightened. I know I know that's how Che first describes him, but I I thought you really would have grabbed on to the the line between Zhang Zhang and Bumi with the mad genius. <laughs> I think the enlightened part grabbed me a bit more because when we come to meet him, I didn't see him as enlightened. I saw him as a man who has a lot of shame and a lot of um, self-hatred. It didn't feel like enlightenment at all. It felt like self-loathing and shame. And I just felt bad for him. I didn't feel, I didn't look up to him in his teachings I honestly pitied him that he carries this he carries this gift and hates it so much and what it and what it does and he doesn't see any good from it or that there could be any good it's very different from how Iroh views firebending and very different from how we'll eventually see you know other other sources of firebending it seems like I know you and I have talked about, you know, like the where firebending comes from and motivation, but it feels like he still has a lot of negative feelings and emotions that are the source of his firebending as opposed to a joy to it. I don't think I would consider him to be enlightened in the abstract, but I do think because of a lot of his guilt and and shame and to a degree, his self-loathing, he has attained a partially enlightened perspective. Yes. In how he views fire and firebending. Yes. He's he's more self-aware than the other people who are out there firebending for the Fire Nation. Yeah, I don't think he's necessarily, you know, at the end of or at a point on the path where, you know, someone where I would look to him and say he's enlightened, I think he's on the path towards enlightenment. Yes, yes, me, yes. I, I, when I hear enlightened, I think of like, you know, he, he's reached that nirvana, he's reached that peace. And when I look at Zhang Zhang, I do not see peace with himself. I see he still has a ways to go in achieving peace with himself. And he has actions to take to get there. See, when I hear it, I think more, Maybe maybe you haven't attained that nirvana, but you have at least had something open your eyes to set you on the path. Okay, I see that. I see that. 
and I, I do think his eyes have been opened, oh, born out of agree. his his guilt and and his shame. And maybe that's not the healthiest way to start out on the path. But hey, he got there. He did get there. You said he's he's not what you expected. No, you expected what like a great warrior. I I mean I know it's I know it's like the typical in shows of like oh there's the great master can I learn from you no. Like, I know that that's the typical, like, you have to get the the no. But, um... Jedi? Warrior? Wars not make one great... He's Yoda! He is Yoda! Okay, he's firebending so, Yoda. Alright, so, here's my question to you. Is Zhang Zhang right to refuse to teach Aang at first? I think he is. Alright, explain. I think he's right to refuse to teach Aang. I think he has a point. Aang... Aang is not at a point on his journey where he is ready, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, to become a firebender. I, I don't know if I agree with the idea that for people that start at a certain point, like you have to go in a certain order. Well, actually, there is an order to, um, to learning the elements according to the, the, uh, the sages. According to the nations, like that, there is an order that you do have to learn the elements in. I understand that. I don't it think it has I ag- been broken before. I, yeah, it, I was going to say it, I don't think I agree with it on a, yeah. like a fundamental philosophic level. Yeah, it's it's usually it's usually done in a certain order because it goes from the easiest to the hardest for them to be able to figure out because it is going to your probably your most polar opposite. So yeah. air can easily go into water. Um, water will transition into earth stances and earth stances will transition into fire. And then you can kind of go back around the cycle because it's usually the two most opposite. Yeah. I, but I do think that with Aang where he is in his journey, while every avatar might not need to go in the, you know, canon order, I think Aang at this point needs to. And all of the points that Zhang Zhang raises about what he needs to learn from learning the different elements are totally valid. And I think this episode takes the next step in saying, through the events of the plot, that Zhang Zhang was right. Because Aang is is not ready to learn how to discipline himself in the way that he needs to to be a firebender. Honestly, I don't think Zhang Zhang's the best teacher either. I don't think I for I think he's used to teaching a certain kind of person. Uh, I think he's used to ter- teaching soldiers. I don't think he's a good teacher for Aang. Yes, I, yes, because he's used. I, I feel he's used to teaching soldiers. Soldiers are taught not to question their superiors, and if you'll notice, some of the problems that they run into is Aang questioning his superior. Why am I doing this? What is the purpose of this? And Part of Aang's learning process that we see with him and Katara is is learning the mechanics of why you're doing something to get to a certain point. So I feel if Zhang Zhang better explained, this stance is to create balance so that you can be the, the holder of the flame because that's the living thing. I think that would have helped Aang go, oh, I need to figure this out. Or breath control is important. Like a little bit more of an explainer. And I think... Given the circumstances of the war, like, I get that there's an order to things. I get that he's young. 
I get that, you know, this is not the ideal situation to be learning firebending, and he's not the ideal candidate to be learning firebending. However, there is a hundred year war. There is, you know, a, there are people at risk in a heightened order. And I think it is slightly irresponsible of Zhang Zhang to not make more of an effort to teach the Avatar, who has miraculously returned after a hundred years, some of the basics or elements of firebending. Because he is, there is the constant chase of the Avatar. And where else, and like we say, where else will he find a firebending master? Zhang Zhang, you think you're going to be around? You think they're going to be able to find you wherever you may be? They barely found you the first time. So unless your unless your plan is unless your plan, Zhang Zhang, is to go along with them until he is ready, what is what is your plan? Where do you see it? I'm sorry it's not convenient for you right now, but this war wasn't convenient for the Airbenders or the Water Nation. So step up, get over your self loathing for a second, and step up. I hear you, but I I really don't think that Aang is ready. I don't think I don't think that Aang has the capacity right now to learn firebending in a way that doesn't destroy him. But I think Zhang Zhang either needs to either needs to find a way to say that and make a plan of how they are going to teach him firebending at some point or something. Like you know what I mean? I just think it's a little irresponsible to be like, no, I'm not going to do it. If I'm still alive when you eventually master the other three, come find me. Where am I going to be? I'm not going to tell you because I'm hiding out from the Fire Nation too. Like, I just... I get it. I hear you. I just... Things aren't always convenient, but things happen for a reason. And he landed in your lap for a reason. And Roku tells him he's wrong. Roku says... Roku steps in. And says, you need to start now. But that doesn't mean that he is wrong. Roku has been wrong before. Roku has been wrong before. But the spirit of the Avatar felt it was important enough to step in and say, look, we might not have much time. You need to get over your ego. And to Zhang Zhang's credit, when that happens, he listens. He listens to Roku. He does. And I think listening to Roku was the wrong thing for him to do. I don't think Aang is ready. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Aang was ready to master firebending. I think he learned the lesson he needed to at the appropriate time. What, that he needed to give firebending more respect? Yes. I, that firebending is something to respect, that it is, that it is difficult, and that this is what he's going up against. Mm, okay i like that and that these are the flaws that you can see in other firebenders yeah yes yes definitely and that learning discipline in the other areas will help you when you come to this monumental task and that that discipline is important because unlike air and unlike water fire has dire consequences if you slip up even for a second so with that in mind, do you think it would have been irresponsible of Aang had he recognized it in himself to say, after sitting with Zhang Zhang, I'm not ready to learn this? I think he's 12. I hold Zhang Zhang to a higher, to a higher standard because he is an adult. 
He is an adult. He's been a teacher for I don't know how long. He's been through a lot. He made a choice to leave the Fire Nation because of the things he'd seen. He's become self-aware. Aang is a child. Aang is a child, but he's the Avatar in touch with generations of wisdom, and he's an airbending master, ostensibly in touch with his own spirituality and state of being more than the average individual. If he looks deep within himself and recognizes that what Zhang Zhang is saying is right and that he's not ready and he says i'm not ready for this do you think that's irresponsible of him how does he hear that over the voice of roku who says sozin's comet is coming and you need to defeat the fire lord before it comes because that's not something that he shares he's hearing that other voice in his head i think it's irresponsible of him not to try because he has a shortened timeline zhang zhang doesn't know about the timeline that's true that's an interesting point, though. Do you think that Aang is aware of Roku's intervention? I don't know. I don't know. It almost didn't feel like it. I don't think he he has any awareness of that. Yeah, it didn't feel like it. That felt like a private conversation between those two guys. Yeah. Also, can we take a second that. to acknowledge that Roku sets the tree on fire and like hello burning bush metaphor? <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just so like I I normally mm-hmm. don't pick up on biblical metaphors but like that one that one i was like yeah very much so where's where's the voice of val kilmer (laughs) and many other people of various genders yes i'm i'm gonna point that out i know they made val kilmer's voice a little bit louder than everybody else's but it was supposed to be a bunch of different voices of every gender so that way you could have indiscriminate voice from the bush sorry that is a hill i will die on i am very upset that they put val kilmer's up yeah, no, I don't think Aang was too aware of that. Mm. Yeah, I don't think so either. Cool scene, though. Yeah. <laughs> and I do really, I really genuinely love Zhang Zhang's not only description of fire and just his view of fire, mm. but I, I do like his training methods, and I do think that he is probably a very good teacher for some very different characters. I think Zhang Zhang I don't think he's old enough, but had he been old enough, would have been a great teacher for a young Iroh. I think he would, honestly, were he a firebender, I think he'd be a good teacher for Sokka. I think he'd be a fantastic teacher for Suki if she were a firebender. (laughs) Suki would love it. But I think also, you just, so you said Sokka and Suki. Sokka and Suki both hold themselves to a soldier's mentality. Like, Sokka wants to be a part of you know his his tribe's uh like army and suki is a warrior those two are warriors and they hold themselves to a warrior mentality that's fair but katara is not and i think he would have been a good teacher for katara as well i don't think so i think she would have questioned i think she would have questioned but i don't think she would have questioned to the point that ang does and i think he would have been able to get through to her I don't think he would have had as satisfying answers for her. If he answered comprehensively the first time, she'd she'd take it and go, okay, that's how I can apply it to this. But if he answered short and quick like he did with Aang, I I think she'd go off and start trying to practice on her own, similar to Aang did. I think it would be a very similar experience right up until the leaf. I think the leaf exercise is when it would click for her. She also has a temper. (laughs) Yeah. So I picture her the same way, being left on top of that mountain to breathe and, like, 
just being abandoned there would get her. Yeah, but I, I think that the leaf exercise would have had it all click for her in a way that where Aang, it clicks for Aang, but he goes too far with it and he gets carried away. I don't think she would have taken it to that point. I think prior to prior to Jet, she would have. I think there's a point earlier on where she where she would have. She steals that waterbending scroll. I think once I think at this point, she would it would click for her because she's a little bit more mature in that manner. But early Katara, I think I think she would have tried to do a little extra. Okay, I'll I'll buy that. But I think that if Katara had been born a firebender, she would be on the other side of the war and might not feel some of that impulsiveness that she feels and desperation that she feels in the earlier episodes. And so maybe that side of her personality might not have come out. I know that's yeah. like weaseling my way out of agreeing that with is, you. I, I, thought, I thought I had a good, I but thought I was, agreed with you to a point. I thought I no, had a yeah, pretty yeah. good point there. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was just the framework that I was thinking about it. You know, she yeah. doesn't have that, that impetus to act in the way that she does when she steals the scroll because she's on the oppressive side of the war in this yeah. headcanon. Yeah. Animal alert! <laughs> Alright, so not many, not, not really any new animals. I I had like one spot of a new animal. So we got Appa, we got Momo, and I spotted a gecko on a tree. And that was really about it. Like, out of focus in the foreground, not acknowledged or referenced. It's on a tree, like they're panning and there's like a little reptile thing on a tree. I just paused it. Gecko on a tree. That's our cute animal this week. Yeah, but I want to bring up that. Uh, so we had Appa do a uh, ha- have more of an involvement in battles uh, recently, and here he is coming in again with a tail attack on the guards. Oh yeah, that like ground slam thing. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was a really that was really cool. So now that we've now that we've seen Appa at his like big battleist, we can kind of pare down and show him being more involved in saving the members of the group. Also, the bison whistle works. Okay, are we supposed to take this episode as the bison whistle works? Because it felt it like works. they were still trying to be like, the bison whistle works, asterisk, maybe. <laughs> I feel like Sokka and Katara do not believe that the bison whistle works. But Aang does. And I think that's really all it kind of takes right now. <laughs> I have no idea if Katara thinks it works, but Sokka definitely Sokka does definitely not. definitely does not believe. It's like, dude, you bought that for like, you know, teeny bit of money. Like, it's a waste of, it's a waste of money. And he's like, no, I swear it works. I think one day we'll confirm that it works. But today was not that day. I do love, regardless of whether or not it works, how much of a moment the show makes out of like pulling it out and holding it up. And now we're going to like close in as Aang takes a big breath and just puts all of his energy into blowing into this whistle. I think, I think that's the comedy bit though, is that that Sokka's Sokka's like, dude, that doesn't work. People thought there were that sky bison were a myth. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's like me pulling out my my like Loch Ness monster whistle and being like, is it going to come up the Merrimack river now? Like, 
I'm waiting. Wouldn't that be something? Like that—that's—that's that's, you know that's essentially what Sokka thinks of it. Like even though he's met a sky bison, but before us, by Appa, he hadn't. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not much for my cute animal alert. I think we there were so many last episode. Mm, we um, ran out. The episodes before. I don't know, but I am looking forward to next episode for more animals if there are some. I have something I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I very much got a PSA of don't play with fire, kids. Um, <laughs> from this episode. But more importantly than that, Sokka took down the Avatar. Without hesitation. Sokka pow. <laughs> like, whoa. That was an explosion. You burned my sister. Oh. Like the arm on the neck, like, oh my god, that was that was so dramatic. That was Sokka's fire. It really just for me, I feel like we've been like kind of tugging chugging along on this big journey and everything like that and you know uh, Sokka even chose uh, following Aang over going to see his father and everything but the last straw for him was that in this journey to become a full avatar and in this journey to get him to the northern water tribe that he would hurt his sister and that that crossed the line. Having a crush on his sister, no it doesn't cross the line hurting his sister not just hurting. Watch out. Burning. Burning. Specifically burning. Just. After two weeks of us fawning over how, like, good friends Sokka and Aang are. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. It does not matter. That is his sister. Climb up the volcano to get the lily. Doesn't matter. Abandons the one hope of seeing Father. It doesn't matter. You burn my sister. Mm-hmm. You're That's done. That's it. Done. And I feel that. I feel I, I I I relate to Sokka in that matter. I would be the same way. I mean, I get it. I think I think in this moment, maybe realizing it, maybe not. I don't know. I'm not in his head, but Aang is directly putting himself against both Sokka and Katara's biggest trauma. Mm-hmm. What do you think Katara first felt when uh, Sokka took down Aang? Because there was a lot that went on on her face. Yeah. Because she doesn't run away right away. No. I I almost feel like at first she's ready to forgive Aang pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And then Sokka reframes it. And that changes the way she's viewing all of it. Mm. But also... It's got to be difficult watching your brother and your best friend suddenly in an all-out fight while you're also in pain from having your hands and arms burned. Yeah, I feel like she feels guilty. Yeah, but I feel she probably also feels betrayed by Aang. Yeah, there's such a betrayal. She probably also might feel betrayed by Sokka. Yes. Like, you know, I think also she feels... For me, it seems like she feels a little betrayed by the journey. Like, this is the first time that she's gotten truly hurt along the way. Like, they've been captured, all that stuff, yeah, but 
this is where she's gotten truly hurt. And as much as the danger has been there, this is the danger is real. This is you can get hurt and you may get hurt by someone you didn't expect to. If he's going to be practicing firebending, you know, you are at risk. You are disposable, Katara. And um, I think she feels guilty. And I think part of her is probably wondering, do I, you know, is this my sacrifice? I mean, she's she she has no idea what she's going to do with her burned hands. And she's feeling all that pain. And I mean, I don't think she has. She, I think she wants to have the capacity to help s- calm down Sokka. But she can't because she is physically hurting herself. Yeah. I also think that if if maybe we had had a situation where the damage looked worse than it was sort of thing mm. and Sokka still blows up at Aang but Katara is maybe not quite as hurt that the entire mm-hmm. situation plays out differently. Yes. That she doesn't just run away upset that that some of that Katara fury and Katara rage comes to the surface because I, I do think that you know Katara basically running away crying is not a thing that we've really seen a whole lot of from her yeah this is a very vulnerable moment for her yeah and i i do think a lot of that is because like you said this is her first time getting seriously hurt and in that katara unlocks water healing (laughs) so cool i think that's amazing because she learns it herself she just does it she just does it it's in her that is incredible and zhang zhang immediately comes up and just highlights that like this is bananas mm-hmm. this is what this is what some people can do but the fact that she's never been taught it before like i think i think her discovering that aspect of water bending without a knowing it's a thing and b having seen it or done it before is just really highlights that she has such an incredible ability as a bender and she's so like she's now become a lot more in tune i mean i i think breaking the iceberg with her own emotions showed how in tune she was with her capacity as a bender but she's never been able to it's like the conscious and unconscious brain talking to each other the unconscious brain was able to crack open an iceberg the unconscious brain was able to heal her hands, but the conscious brain, you know, had a little trouble translating it a water whip or, you know, being able to create a wall of water. And so she's trying to get those portions of her mind to connect and translate. And I think, I don't know, it's just really cool to see something like this when we know, you know, Aang's connection like that, unlocking an air scooter, became he became a master. I think this is where we first start to see that Katara can truly be a waterbending master, that she might be a prodigy. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly, especially given that like the first time she does it, she's in this deeply emotional pained state. You can you can write it off as this is just pure survivalism. And and like you said, unconscious brain, like she can't, maybe she can't really do it quite yet, kind of thing. But then at the end of the episode, Aang is injured and she's just like, oh yeah, come here, let me heal you. Like, it's no big deal. Yeah, she's connected it. She's put two and two together. And I think what's really interesting when she unlocks the whole water healing thing is like Zhang Zhang's envy. 
Oh, yeah. He wants to be a waterbender. Oh, he wants it so bad. Like, that instead of all the destruction and death that he, like, and charred remains of everything, that there's that creation. So jealous. So this is, like, a a little bit later, but I want to bring it up while Zhang Zhang's here. Um... Because, like I said, he's pretty he's pretty jealous that she has something that doesn't destroy but can create. We learn later down the line in Korra that there is a fire version of healing. And I just, I wonder what Zhang Zhang would feel about that. I wonder if that would help him, would ease his mind at all. That there is... Something that is not just destruction that fire can do. Because of how envious he is around Katara and seeing her heal and go, wow, I've always wanted to do that. I I wonder his thoughts on fire healing. I feel like he'd be proud of it. I mean, maybe I just have too much of a torrid love affair with, like, cliched, uh, tragic writing. But my initial thought is, like, wouldn't it be such a good storyline if Zhang Zhang learned about that and just couldn't get it. Why you gotta give him a Bolin storyline? That's not fair. <laughs> I just, That's I'm not sorry, fair. but like, wouldn't that be a beautifully painful story? I think a better story would be Zhang Zhang spends his whole life and he starts to be the one to come up with the idea of fire healing. Maybe that's the switch of that self-loathing and shame and guilt and him working to find something that fire can create. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. I don't know that, but in my head, I'm going to say that's my head canon is that Zhang Zhang helps along that line of figuring out fire healing and how fire can be used to heal rather than just destroy everything. I mean, if we take a very, very liberal interpretation of things. Yes. Uh, Many firebenders can also lightning bend. In fact, in the show, lightning bending is taught as just an advanced form of firebending, not like a different thing that only some of them can do. It's more just an advanced thing that only some people can learn to do. And uh, if we connect it to maybe not like during the Republic City era, but like right before the Republic City era, there's their own version of the victory or Edwardian age, like maybe Zhang Zhang learns lightning bending and we have Zhang Zhang's monster. Oh my god. <laughs> That's a creation story. That is a very liberal take. Zhang Zhang's monster or the modern Prometheus. You think that. <laughs> <laughs> Someone please gonna, write that. <laughs> I'm not willing to go that far out on a limb yet, but I think that would be something... I could see that in his... You'd read that fanfic. I would read that fanfic in a heartbeat. Yeah, you you got me there. You straight up got me there. Um, I like in the description of Zhang Zhang's uh, abilities on uh, the wiki, they talk about how he has such an envy for waterbending. Even his like walls of flame are based off of tidal waves. Like His style of firebending is very much uh, with an approach it says his approach also showed a similar aspect with the water bending he seemed to envy and he lived right by water 
Yeah. Like everything about his existence is trying to be a waterbender. Yeah. Those so tragic. Battle at okay, the end. Okay. Before we do battle at the end, can we talk about just can we compare Aang learning firebending to Zuko learning firebending? Yeah. Because, like, and maybe I end up cutting this whole thing, but I want to just look at the fact that Aang spends his entire time starting to learn firebending, basically saying, show me more than the basic set. <laughs> and Zhang Zhang is like, no, you need to learn to control your breath and control yourself and take a firm rooted stance. And like, oh my we have seen all of this. We have seen <laughs> all of this. The first thing that Zhang Zhang says is, like, stand like this, firm, Mm -hmm. attack the root. Oh, my God. You really love that attack the root. It just, I I love these through lines that happen across time, across space. Like, this is, and I feel like the, we were arguing about Zuko's prowess as a bender and where firebending comes from. Zhang Zhang says it comes from your control and mastery over yourself and your breath. Mm. None of that passion stuff. Gotcha. I had to get that rant out. You needed to. I needed, needed to get to. that rant out. I'm probably going to cut that rant. I'm going to talk about one of my three lines that I'm, that I'm on. Outnumbered versus outmatched. Yeah, because Aang and Zhang Zhang were both outnumbered, but they were not outmatched. <laughs> Put in a turkey duck noise. Here we fucking go. <laughs> Aang versus the Fire Nation soldiers, including Admiral Zhao, (laughs) who has no self-control. None at all. None. And Aang picks up on it, and the little ding, and his head goes off, and he's like, oh, so you're the one Zhang Zhang told me about. Which we kind of, like, get earlier. We get get it even earlier when there's, like, a cut scene from, like, when, when Zhang Zhang talks about, you know, I had a student once who could not learn this and his destruction, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it just cuts straight over to Admiral Zhao, just, like, standing grandly. Um, so we've kind of gotten that, but I like the little bell goes off in Aang, and for Aang, just, man, they'll make anyone an admiral these days. The way he gets his goat is incredible. And I think one of the things that I really love was when he says, I don't know why, but I thought you'd be better than Zuko. Because I think he honestly means it. Like, now that he has that kind of little knowledge about firebending, he's like, oh, I thought you would be harder to fight. This entire fight, he is not actually fighting him. Zuko was worth fighting. When he last saw Zuko, the eyes squinted, he came right for him, was on the offense almost the whole time. And this one is purely like a dodge, duck, and distract. Because Zhao is not a worthy opponent to waste time or energy on. I think it's so interesting that you mentioned the way Aang like, works himself under Zhao's skin. Because this is a tactic that we've seen him try. He has tried this against Zhao when he was Zhao's prisoner in the Blue Spirit episode. He, his first strategy was, I'm going to just try to, you know, 
unsettle you, annoy you, make you make a mistake. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't crack Zhao's armor. Mm-hmm. But now he spent some time with Zhao's teacher. Yep. Now he understands how Zhao works just a little bit more. He might not even realize it, but he can use it. He doesn't, I don't even think he knows the relationship between Zuko and Zhao to know that mentioning Zuko would be the, like, ultimate problem. Um, I don't think he knows enough about that. I think he genuinely means it of, like, I fought two firebenders. One of them was Zuko, one of them was you. And Zuko was a harder opponent. <laughs> yeah, but just everything about his approach is so much more effective now because whether he acknowledges <sighs> it or realizes it or not, he has a deeper understanding of this man. Mm-hmm. He has the high ground, too. And not just physically. <laughs> you and the Star Wars references tonight? Oh, man. <laughs> he does have the high ground. And Zhao underestimates his power. Yes, he does. Oh, Kelly, you're killing me. <laughs> See, I can do Star Wars references, too. I'm cool. I'm hip. I'm with it. No, I know. I just don't expect it. <laughs> but yeah, oh, oh, I just, I love this battle at the end. I absolutely love it. There is something about this that just, I I feel like it has such an energy about it that I feel like the season picks up this energy from this moment. Now we can run with it. Well, I think a part of that is this is the first time that Aang has faced off against Zhao in a situation where Zuko isn't there. Mm. This is really taking Zhao and cementing him as he's the villain now. Yes. This is the guy. And one of the ways the show does that is by almost mirroring that first fight with Zuko on the ships. When Zuko destroyed his own ship because Aang got him to do it. Yep. Now Aang's getting Zhao to do the same thing. Except bigger, because he destroys multiple ships. Well, I mean, Zhao is a more experienced bender than Zuko is. And less in control. Uh, I think they're both pretty unhinged. I don't know. I would have to think about it more. They're both pretty unhinged, but it looks like Zhao is slipping a bit more. May mm, yeah, I'll 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 agree with you, but I'm I'm hesitant on that agreement just because I haven't thought about it. Not because I think you're yeah. wrong. I think I think the main thing is Zuko has. I think the main thing is that Zuko has a tether, and that tether is Iroh. Zhao has no tether. Yeah. And he has un- unbridled ambition, and he is being inflated by, by Ozai by giving him power and, and troops and ships. And so there is no tether, or if there is, it has been loose and let go long ago. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, almost like this is... His tether was Zhang Zhang, and Zhang Zhang's gone. Zhang Zhang deserted him. Yeah, this is, this is what Zuko could have been if Iroh weren't there. Zuko still has his teacher. Zhao's left him. Oh, that's good. That is good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I stand by that. I'm thinking about it. What I just said, even more, I stand by that. Yeah, that's it. Mm. 
Bam. Kobe. I also love that Katara has a new role in the, another role in the group. Like that he, she has, you know, this amazing, unique function. Cause I, I don't think we realized that they needed someone who could heal people until this very moment when someone got hurt. Like, they they realized that they needed a planner and um, someone to protect them with the whole jet situation and, you know, multiple prison escapes at this point. Um, and they realized Aang needed a teacher, but I don't think they realized they needed a healer. You know, and they've got Aang as their navigator, but they didn't realize they needed a healer. So I think it's really, really important. And it's this another, like, just like another start start to Katara's journey. Like, it's a very monumental moment for Katara. I'm excited for her. What is our next episode? Uh, Northern Air Temple. Okay. The the wheelchair yeah. kite thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's very Miyazaki. I know. I try. I, I was trying to think of the of animals. Maybe like a cat or something. I feel like there's some, like they have something. There's something. I'll find something. You know I will. I'm gonna end the recording. Wait, no, uh, I can't no, end the you recording. You have to do the little outro thing. Yeah. And yeah, don't you dare! Don't I'm you so, okay. dare! Thank you for listening to the Pie Show. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find our show notes at thepieshow.fm/slash sixteen. If you'd like to reach us, you can send us a tweet at the Pie Show or email us at the Pie Show Podcast at gmail.com. Please email us. We want to talk to you about geography in Atla. I know, wait, that sounds super boring. We want to talk to you about exciting things, I swear. No, I want to talk about geography and the lake. I mean, we can talk about geography. Like the too. size of the planet, if it's a planet. I don't know. Like, I just, I need more information. Yes, we need more info on it. So uh, send us your thoughts. Send us your feelings. Uh, send us your maps. We love maps. What if well, it's like a donut? Oh, my God. Colton. No, but that wouldn't explain how they can't go around the back of the map. I, I, you, you Geography see? is literally my worst trivia subject. I was just saying this this weekend. Geography is just my worst. And geology. It's got a geo in it. Geometry? Awful. It's got a geo in it? It's not my, for- it's not my forte. Well, see, the secret to geology trivia is to not take anything for granted. This might be a post-show thing, but I just, I just want to just, just highlight that whole rant that he goes on about the fish in the river not knowing the full extent. Like, the fish doesn't know the full extent beautiful. of the river or the ocean. Like, that is just... Oh my god. Oh wow. Just I wish that I could speak like that. <laughs> and it for me, that's the kind of when I talk about Aang's destiny, that is what I'm talking about. A Zen cone? No, about about being in the about being in the river type of thing. I mm. I just uh, as he was saying it, I was like, "Yes, this is this is what I'm thinking when I say about Aang's Aang's destiny and who he meets along the way and how it's going and like where everything is flowing because it's all happening wildly gestures in the air. <laughs> but Aang has no concept of it. Yes. Because he's in yes. it. Yes, because he's in it. But I, I love I loved 
thinking about that because I feel like we're all like that. You you can't you can't see it because you're in it because you're going through it right now. And you know, years later, you can look behind you and go, "Oh yeah, that was that part of the river." But for now, or you know, when you hit the when you hit the ocean, you can say, "Oh yes, it was a river." Well, like, I do think that. A part of what Zhang Zhang is saying is even a step beyond that, that like beyond looking back on it, you can see after the fact there are just some things that you cannot see and you can never see because you cannot you can never fully remove yourself from your own perspective. Like our yes. we are humans, we are limited by our own capacities, and there are just some things that maybe in our life lifetimes we'll just never be able to understand. Which, oh, that just makes me think, definitely, if we post-show this, that just makes me think about how the Avatar has the unique opportunity to be able to see outside that river through their connection to past lives and the spirit world themselves. And I don't think Aang reaches that point, but I think Korra gets, Korra or a few other Avatars get to that point, like Wan um of being able to see the spirit world and see outside of where you're at yeah but even then i think there's there's even a limitation to that oh yeah 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 but i'm just saying that the avatar the avatar has the unique opportunity to be the closest one Mm. to see outside yeah and maybe we talk about this more in season two of Korra. but i think one of the things that i really love about season two of Korra is that she acknowledges that and she acknowledges not only that the avatar has that unique perspective and can see a bit more of the river but even the avatar cannot see the whole river yes and i yes. think she might have season 2 of korra might have been saying that she was the first avatar since wan to fully acknowledge that yes yes oh i 1000% agree but that is a conversation for way later way down the line <laughs> but no thank you for pointing that out yeah, I just I I couldn't let it go by. That line was just <laughs> that line gives me life. I if I were to compile a list of like the wisdom of Avatar: The Last Airbender, that would be right at the top. 